0: When we think about your own vision, different things might come to mind as you're listening to this. You might think of like, oh, it's like, do you mean a vision board? Or you might think of oh, a, a vision statement like for a business that's two sentences long and sounds really professional and really fancy, but no one really remembers it. But when I'm talking about vision from a personal perspective, I call it a deep dive vision. And when I'm talking about a deep dive vision, I'm talking about your definition of success at a specific point in the future. welcome to Want to Work There,
1: a podcast that explores what really makes a company a great place to work. I'm your host, Jill Felska, and together we'll explore not only what goes into building a great company culture, but also exactly how to implement those best practices within your own workplace. If you're here, you believe that a better world of work is possible, and I can't wait to build it together. Let's go. Hello, friends. This is going to be, I said this the last time, but this is also going to be a little bit of a different episode. So, welcome back to the Want to Work There podcast. I am coming off of a hiatus of sorts. So, if you have been a longtime listener, you know that I took like the last three ish months off. Because I was really on the struggle bus, in all honesty, and feeling completely overwhelmed and not motivated to record things and not inspired. Which, if you know me personally, you know that that's a really weird place for me to be because I'm usually like brimming with ideas. And so we came back two weeks ago with sort of a different type of podcast, which I had two people on who rehashed a real-life conversation they had. It was someone and their boss, and it was just a really cool, vulnerable, sort of weird Bravo-esque conversation in which they sort of rehashed how they were feeling in the moment. And now today, I'm coming back with what I think is probably the very first ever Want to Work There Unplugged podcast, in which I mean that I don't script these, but like my guests know they get their questions ahead of time. I give them a ton of space to, like, oh, maybe not this question. Oh, we should maybe ask this. Like, I definitely let the conversations go where they're going to go, but also the journalist in me wants to make sure that. You, as a listener, aren't getting a like rambling diatribe of 87 things as we like try and figure out what it is that the lesson is for the episode. <laughs> and my guest today, my bestie Lois, is laughing because this podcast is absolutely going to be a rambling diatribe and it's going to be amazing. Because when you put my bestie and I together, we often joke that our lives. Could just be a podcast because we're both delightful humans. Am I allowed to say that? Absolutely. I think so. One hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Great. So, without further ado, (laughs) I am welcoming back my favoriteest human on the whole planet, Lois Weinblatt, my best friend, the extraordinary, incredible owner of True North Visionaries, dog mom, wife to another incredible human named Tyler. And just all around the person that I call when things are going really well, when things are going absolutely horrible. This woman has seen me in a ball of emotions on my kitchen floor. This woman has seen me like on top of the freaking world because something great has happened. Like she's seen it all. And so (laughs) we are going to talk today about sort of my journey back from burnout and one of the things that I'm going to be doing for myself in January. But Without further ado, welcome, Loie. I'm so happy you're
0: here. I'm so happy I'm here with you, Jill. All the things that you just said, same. You have seen me in all of the states, and I have a feeling a lot of your listeners either hopefully have or wish they had that person where you could just have that sounding board, whether it's just a quick business question or a gut check or a full-on debrief about everything in life that lasts for hours I'm just so insanely grateful that I have that with you.
1: Beyond, beyond, beyond. And yeah, same. I hope that for people. And Lo and I didn't meet until five, six years Yeah, probably five, six years
0: ago. Yeah. Yeah. Later in life, for sure.
1: Yeah. And this is not to say anything to the other amazing best friends that I've had along the way. So if you are listening, please know. (laughs) I also love you. But sometimes you just find a person that's like, you just are like, oh, there you are. Like, you're the other part of my human, like, in ways. And I didn't really watch Grey's Anatomy, but I did way back in the day. And I feel like it's Meredith and Sandra O's character, whose name I can't remember, like, when she's just like, that's my person. Like, that was Lois and is Lois. And if you don't have that person keep holding out because you will find them even if it's later in your life and it will just be amazing. And apparently this has turned into an infomercial for
0: having a best friend. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I love it. I think (laughs) We we already knew this was just going to be what
0: it was today. I think we all need that infomercial. And I do think it's a good reminder because I really do think there's so much, Jill, you and I both have moved around so many times in our lives and don't necessarily just like have that crew of high school friends or college friends that we still see all the time. And I have had so many people in my life along the way say, well, you know, you're moving again. It's really hard to meet friends at this time in life. I'm just like, wow, thanks for the encouragement. Why are you telling me this?" But so I just want (laughs) to say that we are proof that if you are feeling like that or if you have, have had people tell you that, it's just not true. Like it may take time, but you'll find that person.
1: Yes. And if it's any testament, I mean Lo and I did live in San Diego together for a couple of years and it was the most amazing. And we lived in the same building yes, during so the pandemic, great. which was probably the lifesaver of all lifesavers. But now we live in two different states away from each other. And she's can I say what you're about to do? Yeah. Is this like well? I don't know why this it is wouldn't pu- be public this knowledge. Is totally public knowledge. This is public knowledge. You heard it here hear first, folks. <laughs> yeah. Lolo is moving to Spain. Yes. And it is freaking exciting. And also, I just know we are going to continue to be each other's people. So it is possible to find those people and then live in different states or countries. Or countries. And still have them be your people. Yes. And then have them come visit you in Spain. So, yeah. 112%. Yes. 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 That will be happening. So, okay. All right. So why are we here today? Besides the (laughs) fact that we're just delightful humans who love to spend time together. I called low in true Jill Felska fashion like a day and a half ago and was like, hi, oh my gosh, I have this idea. Will you please come be on the podcast? I want to talk about all these things, but don't feel pressure. but also like would love to do it. So could you do that tomorrow? Okay, bye. And she said, yes, except I am at a thing. And can we just do it later? And now bless my amazing editor, Steve, who is now (laughs) listening to this a day late. But (laughs) we're here because I am finally, 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 literally finally jumping off the cliff and doing my own personal vision with Lo. Now, some of you may have heard the episode or two episodes actually with Lois back almost a year ago now when we talked about company vision and how she forever changed my view on company vision. And that is true. And you should go back and listen to those episodes because they're delightful. But I think the thing that is More core to who Lois is from a business perspective than anything is the work that she does with people around creating their own personal visions. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I, although Lois has been (laughs) the person in my life and I send more people to her than I even know what to do, I, Jill Felska, have not fully finished (laughs) my own vision because I'm ADHD and I think I have a lot of anxieties around. This process. That's okay. And Lose has told me that a million times, but I am fully committing because she is kicking off a cohort in January and I am going to do my first full, true, genuine three-year vision. You can't even see her. She is shaking with excitement. I feel the same way. And so I want to talk about why and how I got to this place. Also just open an invitation to everybody because I would love to have some amazing... People who I know listen to this podcast and who probably are gonna resonate with the story that I'm about to tell, go, maybe I should do that too. And we all know that when you're in a cohort together, it's a really cool, fun place to experience connection. So anyway, that's that's the episode, guys. Thanks for coming. Just in a nutshell, that's what we're gonna talk about. But low, well, tell everybody, I know, tell everybody who's listening just a little bit about what a personal vision is. And why it's something that's so
0: impactful from your perspective. For sure. So the first thing I want to touch on is what vision really means. And this is something that we talked about in the episodes on organizational visioning. But I want to come back to it here because we hear this word vision and it's become buzzword. It's become something that we hear about in TED Talks and on other podcasts and in business books and in personal development workshops. And so many people still are like, I know it's important. Everyone says I should have one, but like, what does it actually mean? So when we think about your own vision... Different things might come to mind as you're listening to this. You might think of, like, oh, like, do you mean a vision board? Or you might think of, oh, a a vision statement, like for a business that's two sentences long and sounds really professional and really fancy, but no one really remembers it. But when I'm talking about vision from a personal perspective, I call it a deep dive vision. And when I'm talking about a deep dive vision, I'm talking about your definition of success at a specific point in the future. And so that has those two really critical elements in it. The first is, it is your definition. And Jill, I am so excited for you to experience this for yourself. It's your definition. It is not anyone else's definition. It is not society's definition. It's not maybe the same definition the people of other people in your life have. And you have all these amazing people in your life, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have the same definition or that you have to have the same definition of success as them. Also, really importantly, it is not the definition of success that you had for yourself in the past. It is not your past selves definition of success. And oftentimes I'll see people who are sort of chasing and chasing how they used to define success and they haven't really given themselves that time or that space to to step back and validate. Is that still really what I want? Or was that really relevant to me at this past chapter of my life? And am I really ready to think about success in a different way moving forward? And it's also not about Okay Jill, well now you've got to decide what success means for forever and always or for the rest of your life because that would be insanely daunting and impossible and there wouldn't be much value to that because with every age and stage new things become relevant and new things become part of our definition of success and other things kind of fade back or sort of melt away and they're not as relevant to our definition of success anymore. So just as we kind of head into this greater discussion about vision, I just want us to have that grounding in what we really mean when we say that word. And why The reason I call it a deep dive vision is that there's a lot of that deep work. You know, we're really peeling back the layers. We're really, really diving into not just to where you're headed, but how you got to where you are, really taking stock of where you are now. And only then have we kind of dived, dove, dove, dove-in, dove, I think is the past Divin. time. Diven. Diven. Dove Dove. Yeah. Deeply enough to really then have all the context now that all that foundation and be able to connect the dots to really, really come from a place of saying, "Ah, oh, that, that is my definition of success for this next chapter of my life and my work. So that's what personal vision is all about. And it is also, sometimes people will say, oh, okay, so like personal vision is it just about me personally or like where does my work fit in and my, you know, where does all the other pieces of my life fit in? And a vision is, I think of it like sort of chapters of a book. And Jill, we know you have your incredible book collection behind you. And, if you think about like chapters of a book, it's about your personal growth and it's also about your professional growth and your financial growth and your relational growth, you know, the, the growth in your relationships with the people you care about. And if spiritual growth resonates with you guys out there, it's about your spiritual growth too. So it's all these different facets of your vision that all make up this one unified whole. That piece,
1: the different facets and the coming together is really for me. What solidified that I really do need to do this process? And coming out of this most recent stage of burnout in my life, and I did. Another episode on some of the like really practical things that I was going to do while I was off air. And then I came back last episode and told people that I like took a lot of time to introvert. And I was like, Jill, that just went against like everything you said about like how you fix burnout. There was so much more that happened. That was like such a nutshell answer. But one of the biggest things that I reflected on in sort of this newest chapter was why do I keep finding myself in this cycle of such extreme stress, such extreme burnout. It's something that now has cyclically come full circle for me three times, at least in my career, like three big times. And one of the answers that I came to for myself is that I have really not determined what success looks like for me outside of my work and outside of the value and accolades that I can get from other people. And that is a really vulnerable thing to say, but it's, I think, been really true. And I think it's been to the detriment of my health sometimes. It's been to the detriment of me understanding what other things I can, not can, but should probably be prioritizing along with just this work that I tend to like give myself to fully. And so that is one of the things that really resonates with me about this process and doing in January and is also kind of scary, (laughs) is like, who am I outside of work? And not everybody will resonate with that. I know that, but I know that there are people, and I think people that listen to this podcast who will resonate with that, who care passionately about the work that they do, and who sometimes really have trouble like decoupling that from their Personality and and who they are and their value and their existence in the world and so I know for me that is one really big part of going into this process in January that I'm excited about and also a little nervous about but I think is really really relevant and I think is important to at least touch on
0: what I'm so excited about for you is that you are willing to take that leap even though it is scary and I can't think of one client who has told me like yeah nope no butterflies I'm totally good not nervous at all. I mean, I recently wrote my current five-year vision. So this is my third five-year vision. This one's for May 24th, 2028. I was totally nervous going into it. I had tons of questions that I was asking myself and I can delve into that more later if it's helpful. But you know, this is like, I feel like I'm on this earth to help people gain clarity. This is what I do for a living. It is my vocation. It's all those things. And I know that the process allows for things to kind of come to the surface that you don't have to know all the answers before you start visioning. And I had that same feeling of, yes, it's exciting. And it's also really scary. So know that you are an incredibly good company. And I think what that means is it's scary because you're willing to let things come to the surface. You know, if you were just like, yeah, I'm going to do this process and not really do the deep dive, just stay on the surface level, no butterflies whatsoever, you'd be totally fine. But that's the difference of this process is being willing to really, really do that. I think
1: that process piece is really, really crucial because, so (laughs) the first time that you ever wrote a vision for yourself, you locked yourself in a room for what, three days? Yeah, I think three days. Yeah, And like literally cranked out what would then be your first five-year vision, right? Exactly. So for those of you who are very new to this idea of a vision and how Lois does it, what you end up with is this document that's Anywhere from, I don't know, like two to five pages that literally written in the, his current tense the present right tense, word? T- yeah. Pre- present, written t- in the present <laughs> tense. Written in the yes. present tense. Yeah. <laughs> the present tense. That's like, so let's see. What's three years from now is 2026. 20, no. Yep. 24, yeah. 24, 25. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today's December 7th, guys. All right. So December 7th, 2026. I wake up and... And you just, it is this narrative and you write it in the sense that it is real. And it's something that you then can go back to and look at and read and, and, and kind of bring into existence. It's almost like it isn't manifesting, but it's almost just being very clear on where you want to head to. And so it allows you to continue to ground yourself in in that reality and one of my favorite things from you and and this process is like you can continue to ask yourself as the days the months the years go by does this get me closer to or further away from this vision and it helps you sort of make life choices as you're going but i did the briefest of briefest like little half day vision sessions with Lois, maybe like a month after I first
0: met you. Yeah, it was super
1: early. Yeah, very early. Super early. I had, and one of our dearest friends, Adrienne, who is still one of our dearest friends to this day, she came over and some other friends came over and we did this half day session. And I can remember nothing else about this vision besides the fact that it started with me waking up in really clean, crisp sheets laying next to someone that I dearly loved. And that has like stuck with me. I mean, this is six years ago. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So, like, <laughs> there is something about creating imagery and this reality. But all this to say, Lois locked herself in a room for three days and figured out how to like come up with that document. Well, fast forward, it's probably been what? Well, it's your third visit show. Fifteen years or 10 years moving into 15 years later, you have a whole process for this, literally a Step by step, here's the activity you do. Okay, here's this activity. It's like what I do for people with culture and management, all these things. Like, you have taken hundreds of people through this process, and there is a systematic way to get to it. And that's what I'm excited about and also scared about because I love committing to things like this. And then also, like, makes me nervous, but like in a good way. Like you're saying, like it's those butterflies of like, this isn't just some fluffy thing where we're like, and not fluffy in a bad way. I love to craft. I love to scrapbook. I will sit down with magazines and cut those pictures out, girl. I will do that. But it's not that. (laughs) It is a very self-reflective process in which you're stopping and peeling back layers and thinking very clearly about what matters to you, about what you want in your life. And like that's a big thing. So yes, process. And it's why I'm doing it as part of a cohort because I have had access to this process forever. You have this amazing course, which people can do it on their own. And there are people that thrive in that. And I am not one of those people because I will not log in without the accountability. (laughs) So that's what I'm excited about with the cohort in January is the accountability and getting to do this with other group of people who are also committing to doing that
0: sort of self-reflection and, and looking inward. I've done cohort models at different times in the past, over the past 10 years. But the reason that I the timing of the last cohort happened when it did was because I was struggling to write my next vision. Like I talked about, I had my own mishigas, which is like Yiddish for like craziness. Like I had my own stuff that I was getting in my head about. And I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off. And I just didn't have that commitment mechanism to have that start date and to make it happen. And so yeah, like Jill said, the first vision, I locked myself in a room. Then by the time I was doing my second vision, I had my process in place. I was in Australia working with clients at the time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to New Zealand. I'm going to get this Airbnb. And that's where I'll write my second vision. Then I was like, what am I doing? Like the last thing I want to do when I have I'm in New Zealand for the first time in my life is lock myself in an Airbnb that could be anywhere. Like why did I think this is a good idea? I struggled through it. I basically just hung out in the town that I was in all day and then would just like lock myself in at night and go through my own set of exercises. But who it took me way longer. And so then for this one, I totally get it. You know, for a lot of people vision is the epitome of something that's important but it's not urgent. Right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's Mm -hmm. not done tomorrow, like you'll still get the thing to the client. If it's not done the next day, you'll still whatever. And so I knew that I needed to kind of get this group around me and that it was really, really amazing because then I, as I was reaching out to other people to be part of it, there was this couple that they had purchased my course years before. And I just kind of checked in and asked how they were doing. And they were like, you know, we keep saying we're going to do it and it just hasn't happened. And I was like, wouldn't, you know, I want to start a cohort. Do you want to be part of it? And they were like, yes, that's what we need. Because one of my favorite phrases is work will expand into the time allotted. And so each step, so the cohort will start off with 12 weeks together, and then we'll roll into my visionary leader circle, which is that ongoing accountability and support piece after you have that vision and that roadmap in place. But for those first 12 weeks, you know, every week, by the time you come to that cohort session, you've done that set of exercises. And even if you did them, you finished them 20 minutes before the session, amazing. You wouldn't have if you didn't have the call. So it gives you that impetus. It gives you that accountability because you know everyone's coming back ready to kind of process and talk through what came up for them as they were doing that specific step of the process. So it's step-by-step and it's also so, so, so amazing to see what happens when people go through that process in parallel. And in the past, I beta tested like more of a traditional group coaching model where everyone had access to the modules and kind of could go at their own pace. And so everyone was at a different part in the process. And they're just, it was still great, but there's just nothing like truly, truly peeling back that next layer as somebody else's and kind of going through this process of bringing these things to the surface, this process of discovery at the same time, at the same, with the same cadence, I guess I could say, as these, these other people in your cohort.
1: I mean, I had FOMO. Because you and Adrian went through together, and it was at a point in my life where I could not prioritize it. I was moving, there was all sorts of chaos. It wasn't gonna happen, but you and Adrian, our dear friend Adrian, got to go through it together. And I was like, I wanna do it with people that are cool and like also, you know, like why not? Why? (laughs) So that is genuinely part of why I'm like, okay, January, we're doing this. And also part of why I am literally putting this out in public on my podcast to be like, hey, guys, I'm doing this thing because, hey, additional layer of accountability now that it is literally on a podcast. And also, I really want to find other cool people who are excited to go through this. I've been sending it to everyone I know because I'm like, can we just have like a really fun cohort of kick-ass women who want to figure out what success looks like to them three years from now because that is my happy place like let's have the yaya sisterhood of vision cohorts please and thank you so if you are hearing this and want to be part of my yaya sisterhood vision cohort please join me i am putting that into the universe that is what i want mm. i want the yaya sisterhood vision cohort it is happening
0: i love it and then i think we need to probably get like traveling pants in. That, like, I feel like we need to get them embroidered. Then I think everyone needs a pair by the end of the time. Like, I feel like that definitely needs to be part of this to really stay on brand.
1: I mean, you know, I'm always looking for a good reason. to Use my cricket. Right? So there will be t-shirts. There will probably be by the end of this, there's going to be t-shirt that sweatshirts. Cause I'm cold. Yeah. I'm in Minnesota now. So sweatshirts, and some bedazzled sparkling traveling pants for our Yaya sisterhood. Oh, God, this is making me so happy. I'm getting so excited. This is really going to happen because really, this is literally what I want. So <laughs> it's my birthday in three days. So if you do anything for me, people, lovely human friends that listen to this, just come join me for my Yaya birthday sisterhood cohort with sparkling traveling pants and sweatshirts.
0: And it's going to be phenomenal.
1: <sighs> it's going to be, I mean, if you're enjoying,
0: this conversation. That
1: is this hum- yeah, it will be great. Anyway, so we're going to dive into this process. I'm like literally going back and forth in my head as, as to whether or not to share this since before we sat down to start recording. But I'm going to because I feel like the universe was like, here you go, in the sense that I knew the biggest catalyst for me besides the FOMO of you and Adrian getting to do this and then me getting to read your visions and being like, I'm so I'm ready to have my own. Was this realization that when I get into a cycle of burnout in a job, it is usually because I have a lack of boundaries and I have lost myself in the cause, in the community, in the moment. And I think, you know, especially in people focused careers like people ops, like some of these, you know, different areas in culture and engagement the results of the work that we do so directly impact other humans. And that's not to say that that isn't the case when it's marketing or finance or some of these other roles, but it there's a couple more stepping stones, I think, between that bridge of the work that you're doing or not doing impacting a life versus a campaign. And so... That is one of the things that I really have found myself in all of my roles is I get way too caught up in the human of it. And I can't see the bigger picture outside of that moment. And now as I'm saying this out loud, I'm also realizing that that's an ADHD thing. But (laughs) beyond that, I genuinely hope that having a grounding vision for myself that is three years out that can take me out of that moment and that thing that feels so, so, so big is going to help me. And so, as I'm saying all this, I literally pulled a notebook out of my like bin of 875 notebooks because everywhere I go, I buy a new notebook and then I have 875 that have three pages used out of them. I had pulled one out because I couldn't find the one I was using <laughs> yesterday. So, I pulled one out and I was like, oh, cactuses and pulled it out from like the bottom of this bin of notebooks that I rarely open, opened the cover, and I kid you not, I had written on one page. The very first page was all that it was, and it was a diary slash journal entry to myself that reflects the burnout I was feeling in that moment. And I was like, well, universe, okay, then (laughs) we are. So I'm going to read. It's not long. It's short. But it was like. Holy crap. I do now that I read it, but I didn't fully remember feeling like this. And I know that you will know this because it was when we were living in the same city and I think living in the same building. So you're going to go, yep, that checks out. But this is what I wrote when I was in a moment of extreme burnout and didn't know what to do. All right. So this was 10, 2020. What would it take to get me into a position where I don't need to work 10 to 12 hours a day regularly to get my expected workload done? I'm currently ruining my health for this job. I'm gaining weight, I've got horrible TMJ, and I'm actually grinding my teeth to the point where they are moving in my mouth. I'm neglecting the people I care about most. And I am a puddle on the floor at the end of the day. I don't want this life anymore. And I know some of it is on me. I'm not drawing hard enough boundaries, but part of it is also the unhappy patterns that I have found myself in at work. Whoa, vulnerable guys.
0: Here we are. Want to work there? Unplugged. (laughs) I mean, I love that you were willing to read that out loud and feel how you felt when you read it. And to me, I'm like, if there's one moment of this podcast that people just like bookmark and, and that's the moment, that's, I think, the most powerful thing. Because we just, we know your listeners have either been there or they've been alongside somebody they care about who's been in that exact moment. And so... I just think you're incredible for being willing to actually be someone who stands up and like says it like, yeah, this is where I was at. So I think a lot of people feel like they're alone in that moment and that other people are able to get through it or like soldier on or make it work. And they have, you know, for some reason they can't do that. And I think it's just really, really helpful to hear that other people are in that same space, like and have been in that same space and also now are moving forward and wanting to make different choices so that they don't have to be back in that same space in the future.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it puts more reality to a phrase that is used often, which is I'm feeling burnt out. <laughs> I think it's more clear verbiage and, and groundedness for me, at least of like, wow, what I was feeling in that moment. But there is absolutely hope on the other side of that. And you come out of it and you figure it out and you have amazing people like you who help you mirror check your reality. You have your best friends and your family and your people who kind of go, mm, this doesn't feel like you anymore. We need to we need to figure out what do you need to do for yourself. But I really do. I'm not just saying this. I really do think this process, I think I could have used it back then. Like I think if I would have had something that could have helped me be a little more grounded, it would have been really helpful. So I'm I'm excited to be moving forward into this. I guess I don't know how to shift us back into something more positive now that I went really off the rails there. But I guess the positive piece is that I'm just excited to do this and to see what happens and to be able to talk about what happens on the other side. Because I know the work that you do and I've never gotten to fully experience it. I did at a company. We did a company vision that I was bananas, gaga obsessed with, but I've never done a personal one. And I'm excited to come back and do another unplugged episode in the future where I get to say, yeah, here's how this actually turned out after we, you know, let her all loose on air.
0: (laughs) And I would argue that you didn't go off the rails. These are the rails. Like that's the beauty. I mean, I want to talk about the equation for change, but I don't have like the visual in front of me. But the equation for change ultimately comes down to change versus resistance. And whenever we want to create a change, whether it's a big, big change, small, personal, professional, we're always going to come up against the natural resistance to that change. And one of the 800 million things I love about vision is that we don't try to zero out resistance. The idea is not like, oh, you shouldn't have any resistance to this process, or you shouldn't have any resistance as you go through the process, or we're trying to ensure that you don't feel any resistance. It's like, oh, resistance is 1000% part of the process. So instead of it being this thing that is bad or negative or wrong, or should we should all over ourselves about, it is like, oh, okay, mm, this part of the process is creating a lot of resistance. This part of the process, maybe you're feeling a little bit more nervous about diving into this piece, or it's a little freaky to you, you know, what came up that you weren't expecting. But instead of that being like, oh, we're off the rails now, it's like, oh, this is this is the stuff. We get to be really curious about this. We get to really dig into this and and why that's happening. So just to say that all the intensity of emotion and thinking about how th- what has led us to where we are, the beauty is like, we don't have to feel like we have to jump to an optimistic place that like we get to really recognize all that has led us to where we are for what it was and not not that it should have been different or whatever it might be, but like, oh, this is an incredible opportunity for me to recognize these patterns. Like you said, it was a cyclical pattern. And I completely agree. It's It's that hope instead of that sort of self-fulfilling narrative of like, well, this is just what I do. I mean, all of us have those. This is just how I am. This is just what happens every few years. I just, this is just what it is. And kind of that inevitability, like, well, I'm floating on the surface now, but just wait until I burn out again. It's like, oh, I get to write a different future. I get to then create that different future. And not to say that that's not going to, of course, have its challenges along the way. Like you said, it's going to be about then, like coming back. I mean, I always say like your vision's like your, it's like your compass, it's like your shield, it's like your, your life raft, and there have absolutely been times, 100% for me, and also I've seen it with my clients, where they, on the road to making this vision a reality, they do, they get to the edge of a rabbit hole or they like almost get sucked back into something that they don't want to get sucked back into, and they're just about to jump off that other cliff that isn't going to serve them so well, and they come back and they read their vision. And it's just like, okay, let me trust the self that wrote this vision. Let me trust the future self that I've made this promise to. And like you said, let me ground myself in this when I feel so ungrounded, I can ground myself back in this vision, in this future that I'm creating for myself.
1: Mm. Yep, that's so spot on. And it is completely like me to try and shove down the bad and refocus on the positive, but you're right. It is incredibly important to do that reflection and understand those patterns and figure out which ones. I mean, it's funny that two episodes ago, When I was on with Shira and Sarah, they were talking about that same thing, which is, you know, Shira was feeling kind of unmoored and burnt out in her role. She ended up going to her boss and having what she calls conversations you shouldn't have with your boss, in which she told her boss that. And we unpacked that whole conversation. And one of the things that came out of that was this idea of like, okay, but what if you don't have a boss that's, quote unquote, as cool as Sarah and holds space for this stuff and does? And so we sort of talked about when resistance Reaches a point in which you can't do it anymore. There's going to be times when you're like, "Nope, I can still, I can still take this. I can still move through this." Does it suck? Yeah, and I'm still gonna move through this. And then there are points when you reach this friction point where you're like, "I can't anymore," and so I'm going to make a change, regardless of how hard that change is, how scary that changes, all those things. And that's what I hear you saying is like, sometimes the resistance isn't strong enough yet, and then when it does hit that point all bets are off. (laughs) So it takes time and it takes it being the right moment, I think, for all of us in our lives to make those different changes. So yeah, I'm excited about this one.
0: Another thing that's reason 842,765 that I love vision is that it's all about being intentional and proactive and bringing more intentionality into this next phase of our life. And so part of it is also recognizing how you want to handle things differently moving forward. And so part of your vision doesn't have to be, you know, sometimes I like cringe when I hear like manifest your dream life. Like it's supposed to be this rainbows, butterflies, perfect all the time. Like this is life. It's messy. It's all these things. So when you are working on finalizing your vision, you know, you write the first draft and then you go through this really specific process that I'll take you through to refine it and finalize it. Part of it might end up being it's January, whatever 2026. And there are still times where I feel my boundaries slipping. And now this is how I respond in that moment. Or more than ever, I feel like I'm able to really hold my boundaries when I have a project that is really inspiring and getting kind of sucking me in. So it's also one of those things where we get to kind of like do that mental prep work of yeah, this, I'm totally going to come up against the same exact situation in the future. It's not like that's going to not happen anymore because I have a vision. We can guarantee it's going to happen. And your vision in your vision is when you start to kind of get to do some of that work about how do I want to interact at that time? How do I want to approach that type of challenge differently than I have in other chapters of my life? And so then when you get to it, you're like, oh, I wrote about this in my vision. I already knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to come up. I knew I was going to be tempted to put my heart and soul and everything into this. Oh, and helpfully in my vision, it says how I kind of responded to it differently. And even in this moment, when I'm not feeling grounded, I can read that and remember that and take a breath. So that's, I think, another key thing is that this process isn't about feeling like, like I said, like you have to create this perfect future that is like in this snow globe that nothing can touch it's it's more about knowing that we're going to get derailed and we're going to hit obstacles along the way like 1000% that's going to happen but now you have this internal compass to help you recognize when you're off track so much more quickly have a tool to then help you get back on track so much more quickly and that i think gives you this different sense of kind of inner confidence and it whatever you want to call it faith hope it does give you that? I mean, again, there's just been so many times. I mean, before I met my husband Tyler, there, you know, I talked about my partner in my first vision. I hadn't met him yet. By the second vision, but about in my second vision, and I had times where I was just yearning so deeply for that partner. And you have all these messages around you. Oh, you're getting older. You're moving around. You don't. You know, I don't know how you're going to find this person. It just gets harder and harder. Again, why I don't why people tell you these things, I don't know. But I held onto that vision like a life raft. And I was like, this is part of the future I'm creating and I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And oh, interestingly in my vision, it says I didn't know how I was going to meet him, but when I did, you know, like it even says it in the vision. So, but I held on to that and I just had that faith. I was going to experience that future that I wrote about. And that got me through when, if I hadn't have had that, I think I, I just would have been... <laughs> wondered is there is it ever gonna happen, you know. I mean, I just it's so easy to get into that that narrative. And I talk about that in terms of that was obviously part of the relational growth part of my vision. But when other things have happened, I mean in my in that first vision, it doesn't matter the exact timing, but in, in that first vision, early on when I had started True North, I had a consulting company that had me come in and do some, you know, like contract work for them uh, and helping their clients write their vision. They did a lot of strategic planning. So they had me come in, do the visioning work once they're clients then had the vision, then they would go do their strategic planning process. And they offered me a job. And I mean, logically on paper, that would have been 100% the choice, like the option. I had no quote unquote, you know, experience within a consulting firm. I didn't have X, I didn't have Y, I didn't have Z. I didn't have a strong foundation. And just for all the logical reasons would have made total sense for me to do the thing and work with them for three years and then start my business. And I was like don't take my vision away from me. Like I've not, no, just no, I'm not going to do it because that's, that's not part of my vision. So I think it's also when those things that are really tempting come up and it just challenges you to be really honest with yourself. You're really honest with yourself through the process. And so you end up with a vision that helps you continue to be really, really honest with yourself.
1: I mean, I've seen it because I was there with you when you went on those dates that weren't great and you were like, I'm never going to meet the person. And then we would go back to you like, nope, I am. And I don't know how. And do I take credit for you meaning Tyler? Yes, I do. Absolutely, as you should. Is it valid? I don't know, but I do. That's probably a story for another Unplugged episode. <laughs> but like you said, it's this grounding. And I, when I heard your vision for the first time, this new one, I cried because it was like, oh, uh, uh, yes, like all those things. And like you said, it's not about writing a fantasy. It's not about like this thing that's completely... Unachievable. It's, it's finding that boundary of what do you really want? What does success look like? What does that thing feel like when you're achieving it and and having it on paper? Because it is. It's those moments when everything seems like it's the right answer for all the different reasons that like having that ability to go back and read something and be like, okay, nope, this is the core of what it is that I really want. And does this get me closer or further away? Like, ugh, it's golden. Is there any part of your 5-year vision that you would feel comfortable reading?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would read the whole thing. I mean, I won't cuz that would take <laughs> that would take a mu- some month to- let me see. All go
1: right. Go. While she's getting that, I will say the reason I think this is so important is that because this isn't a process that everyone is, you know, it's like a really well-known thing. It's not like strategic business planning that like everybody's maybe been through once. Hearing what a vision sounds like, I think was really game changing for me and understanding like what the process leads to and why it's worth putting in the work. So I think hearing a little bit of Lois's vision is probably how we'll wrap things up here, because hopefully it'll give you a sense of what it
0: is if you are questioning
1: if it's something that you want to do or not.
0: And also, Jill, just for context. So as Jill was like, would you be open to reading part of your vision? I literally just turned around and I got off my backpack because I was at a retreat recently with my coach because coaches need coaches. And I brought it with me because I'm like, of course, we're going to be thinking about 2024. And this is how I'm going to be able to step back. And I have my own milestones and my own roadmap and all of that. But when you have your vision, it's something that just makes all the other things that you are doing so much more effective. Like I have so many visionaries who work with, you know, they're incredible counselors and therapists and all of that they bring their vision to their therapist they're like oh that's what you're working towards oh totally help you get there and then you know that work that they're doing in other areas of their life just helps their visioning process dive that much more deeply as well so just to kind of give you guys the visual so up at the top this is my life in 2028 and then it, it says my mission i won't read it out just for time's sake but i do want to touch on that because Yes, like Jill said, by the end of this process, you have this document in your hands. It is in black and white, it is written out. You've got the vision. You've also got that really specific roadmap to get you there. Because a lot of people, you know, it's, it's like, oh, I have this amazing vision. Oh my gosh, wait, what do I do tomorrow, though? And so that roadmap answers that question. So you've got the vision, you've got the roadmap to get there. But part of that visioning process necessarily is about clarifying your own personal mission. And this is a personal mission that transcends your job and your titles and your roles. And for so many people, even like in the module, I'm like, you know, we want this to transcend your work. The first draft they write is their work. And I'm like, so did you notice how this is about your work? And they're like, oh, right. And then we have to peel back the layers in it because it is so easy for us to keep those things completely tied together and to really have a hard time saying like, what is my why? What is my purpose? What is my mission in a way that I can absolutely live through my work, but it's not the only way that I can live this mission. So that's a huge piece of it. And then your core values as well. So again, like Jill does this incredible work with you know organizations and really helping them operationalize their values and, and get these things to a place where they're not just a nice poster on the wall, but lived within an organization. And again, it's really about understanding our own personal set of core values and that going, it's one of like the coolest turning points in the process because that is oftentimes where people really start to articulate boundaries in a different way than they have before. And they start to realize, oh, I've really always lived this value with other people, but I don't live this value with myself or for myself or with myself. So, oof like so many goosebumps, Jill, thinking about getting to guide you through those parts of the process as well. So again, you do the core values, you do the mission before you even get to the vision. So it's like this process of not just, you're supposed to know everything week one, it's, oh no, you're not even going to write your first draft until like week eight. So we've got time to peel all those layers. Things don't have to jump to the surface right away. And that's not the point. Okay. So got, got mission, got my core values. And then It's May 24th, 2028, and I am so proud of the life I've created. Personal growth. Over the past five years, I've soaked up the wonder of life and opened myself up to it more fully. I'm playing in the gray more, and releasing narratives about myself has smoothed out some long-held friction and created more flow. I've also been intentional about releasing narratives about others. We are all growing and evolving. I've strengthened the trust I have in myself that I can grow and change and evolve in significant ways. I've learned which decision points in my daily life have the most impact on how I feel in the moment and beyond. Eliminating some of those decision points has been a huge relief, and playing with others has helped me understand my patterns and what I want to do with them. Ultimately, I'm getting to feel how it feels to live the fullness of my days. Hint, it's like when you look up at the sky and close your eyes and the sun beams warm on your face as you smile and exhale with a deep sense of contentment. So that's the first paragraph of my personal growth section. And then I wanted to share one paragraph from my professional growth section because this was really all about letting go of the shoulds. And We all should all over ourselves in many different ways. But as I was writing this, I literally felt like helium balloons were lifting me up. And I write about that in the vision. But like I physically felt that as I was typing the words, and I wrote several drafts of this professional growth section, and the first one was kind of continuing to kind of look outside myself and and think more about all the messages you hear from gurus about there about what it looks like when you grow your coaching business to this point and that point. And then I was like, wait, that's not no. That is their definition of success, and that's amazing for people who that resonates for. But this is my chance to be really honest about myself and what my definition of success is for this next chapter of my business. And so I took that part out and I rewrote it and when I wrote it and it was aligned, I felt that physical feeling as I was doing it. Okay. I've challenged myself to filter out opportunities from distractions disguised as opportunities. And I'm proud that my filter is so much more dialed in. Taking a step back and being honest with myself about the engine I actually want to build has been such a relief. It's freed up so much time, energy, effort, and resources to channel into what I really care about. And that channel has opened up a new and powerful and exciting and liberating kind of flow. A flow where I'm doing what I get to do and not have to do. A flow where I'm trusting myself and my experience and the knowledge I've built. A flow where I recognize what I have within myself and what is right in front of me. A flow where my inner voice and my actions are in concert. Damn, it feels good. As I was writing this back in 2023, I could literally feel past shoulds release and melt away to the floor. I felt excitement in my chest and like I was being lifted up by helium, lifted up by all the possibility and potential of what can happen when I allow myself to focus on being the best guide to my visionaries that I can be. I love that. So two questions,
1: two follow-up questions. One, what are the different sections in your vision and are they the same for everybody? And two, could you read us one of the sections that is very tangible about like what a day looks like in your life or like who you're surrounded by? Because I think both of those pieces are really important to the vision and I want people to to hear both.
0: I love it. So my sections are personal growth, professional growth, financial growth, spiritual growth, and relational growth. Literally thinking back over the past 10 years, I would say my clients all have personal growth, professional growth, financial growth, and relational growth. And then for the people whose spiritual growth resonates with, that's in there and, and some people it's not. Also, I have some People who order them differently. So, like, I always start with personal growth because I feel like it's kind of the intro to the whole thing. And I end with relational growth because I'm like, this is what it's all about. But some people order them differently because they're like, you know, no, I want to put relational growth as my first section or spiritual growth because, like, I want everything to flow from that. So, it's just kind of cool how people decide to weave these chapters in differently, even though they all might have the same or very similar ones. This is in my financial growth section. So, it's about our home and as I read it out for me, it's part of that financial growth because it's sort of the the environment that we're creating together. And for me, as I'm writing the financial growth section, that's kind of where I piece in travel and where I put in home and, you know, all those different types of things. Now, of course the home that I'm creating along with my partner is part of relational growth too. And the trips that we're going on are part of our relational. So all these things, right. They kind of all flow in together, but I stick them in that specific section just because it's helpful for me to have that sort of chapter of my book. Segmented out as I write it. So, this one talks about our home. And just for context, currently in 2023, our house is a disaster. It looks like the Tasmanian devil ran through it. And I can't just say, like, oh, well, I was out of town. No, like that's how it looks all the time. So, this is definitely, you know, moving towards a future state that is very different than the current state. But another tenant of visioning is that you've got to believe you can get there even if you don't know how. I don't know how, but I truly, truly believe we can finally get here. Okay. Our home also feels put together. You can tell we care about it and feel a sense of ownership of our space. We actually have things on the walls now, and it really feels like us. I love looking over and seeing our beautiful ketubah and photos from our wedding, our honeymoon, and our adventures together. Again, side note, currently in 2023, there is nothing on the walls. We also have beautiful items that called to us And flowers with fresh, full blossoms that bring their vital nature and perfume inside. We found a way to take care of our home so that it feels fresh, airy, and welcoming when you walk inside. I love watching the curtains wave lazily in the breeze and smelling the air they usher in. Clean, fresh, and new in the spring, balmy and sensual in the summer, crisp and clear in the fall. And now we are so European, we even air out our rooms in the winter. There are cozy blankets to cuddle up in, and the fabrics of our furniture and textiles feel yummy when I run my hands over them. And candles, so many flickering candles. (laughs) It literally says E, like three E's and an exclamation point. When we invite guests over spontaneously, our home looks like it was just waiting for us to arrive. After setting the table for Shabbat recently and laying out some simple, beautiful greenery and blooms down the middle, I looked at our table, special and inviting, with silverware that feels solid in your hand, glasses that make you feel fancy, and serving pieces with character, and smiled. Also, two words, cloth napkins our outdoor area is blissful and it makes me so happy to have a spot that lets me spend as much time as possible outside when the weather is lovely i read out there enjoy siestas out there we eat meals out there taking care of our home and what we have has helped me feel more mature in a way like a representation of the proyecto de -de vida like it's like a life project in spanish that tyler and i are building together and this space we've really made feel like home Mm,
1: see that all of these pieces i think And again, you are such a gifted writer. You know, people love, love, love having you write visions for them. And that's not the course you're on anymore, but you are such a talented writer. And everyone, I mean, everyone that I have ever experienced going through this process walks away with a vision that feels like them in words that feel like them. And I think what listening to this did for me the first time I heard it from you is like, oh my gosh, that feels like you. And I can so picture it. And yes you are me, we are the same person. Our homes are usually some state of chaos. (laughs) And we love this idea of having, you know, a more sort of calm, present atmosphere. And you can feel it when you read those words. And so I think that's what I wanted people to experience just around what a vision is, is like it is a really, really clear picture of what you want your life to look like. Thank you for being vulnerable. Yes. And sharing That vision with us, I think hopefully it will be really helpful to some people in kind of better understanding what the process looks like. And I think for me, it really brings the conversation full circle because this process really is about figuring out how you want your whole life to be. It is not just about that professional piece, it is one section of it, but it is about giving yourself the gift of really thinking through how you want your life to be in all the parts and giving yourself the ability to make decisions then that move you closer to that because you can so clearly understand what that future vision is. And that is what I am excited about. So if you are listening to this and it is resonating with you in any way, selfishly, I would love The TikTok phrase for those of you who are on TikTok, there's this phrase that's like, if you're not the girls, the gays, or the vays, like, keep swiping. This isn't for you. Now, let me just say Lois's business is for all the people. (laughs) And she has worked with many incredible, incredible men, some that I've introduced her to. Like, there is space for everybody. And I'm just going to put this in the world. I would love, 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 love if our January 2024 cohort was full of incredible girls, the gays, and the vays, just all of those wonderful human people. So if that appeals to you, and you're excited about that thought, I am going to direct you to a URL on my website that will take you to Lois. So if you go to wanttoworkthere.com slash cohort, C-O-H-O-R-T, that will direct you to Lois's video on the cohort for January that this Jill Felska will be part of, and maybe you will be too because it'd be so fun to do together.
0: I love it. And Jill, the other thing too, that I'm so excited about, can you tell I'm excited? I think like if we were to like to get a transcript and like do control F and excited, I think it'd be like 700,000 times, but this cohort is only six people. So it's Jill and five other people. And so six people is what I found is kind of that sweet spot where there's this incredible kind of camaraderie that is created so quickly. And I've also found that, of course, that's the number of people where I can really, everyone really gets time every single session. And it, I've certainly been part of group coaching programs where they, you know, I've certainly learned some great things, but like you're one in a sea of many and you get your two minutes and that's it. This is such a different feel. It is it's really, really, truly like having this, you're going through this process alongside your fellow visionaries. And it's, it's an incredibly special thing to see that happen.
1: Yes. It's going to be a small, tight group of us. And I just keep saying it, but selfishly, I just am really excited to have it be a group of really kick-ass humans. And because I'm transparent, that's a huge part of who I am. $500 a month. It is a three-month program. We can do this together, guys. If I can commit to three months with my ADHD brain that's all over the place, we can do this. So come join me. Go to wanttoworkthere.com slash cohort. That will connect you directly. You just put your email in. You'll talk with Low. So yeah, let's freaking do this. And if this is not the timing for you, you know, although... <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be in a cohort with this woman? Because obviously, she does cohorts every quarter. So, if the January cohort's not the cohort for you, you're listening to this, you're like, cool, it's not January 2024 anymore. She does cohorts every quarter. And that URL will always redirect you to my favorite human in the world, Lois, so that you can go on your own visioning journey. <sighs> Lo, thank you this was so fun. If you are here with us until this point in the podcast, you are a true homie. And I am just excited to have you here in this community with me exploring all the ways that we can be full humans, both in the workplace and just in the world. So thank you so much. And I will see all of you again very soon. Thank you, Jill. You're incredible. This show was brought to you by WantToWorkThere.com and the incredible team at Podcasting for Creatives. No individual or company acting alone can change our societal beliefs about work. But together, we can create a new normal. If you like this episode, please consider passing it on to one or two people who share your passion for creating a better world of work. And until next time, please know I see you, I believe in you, and keep going. The work you're doing really matters.